Hello, and welcome to Love as a Business Strategy, a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace. We're here to talk about business, but we want to tackle topics that most business leaders shy away from. We believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every successful business. I'm your host, Jeff Ma. I'm a director at Softway, an agency based out of Houston, Texas, that specializes in digital transformation, culture, and branding. Each episode, we dive into a single element of business or strategy and test our theory of love against it. And we've got a doozy of a topic today. If you're on the video, you can already see everyone's nervous faces. Uh, we're talking about vulnerability. Uh, it's become quite the buzzword for many and more and more people out in the world are starting to understand this concept at some level. But what does this have to do with business? Is there any place for vulnerability in the workplace and what would that even look like? I'm joined today by probably the three people in my life outside of my family that I'm most vulnerable with. And that would be Mohammed Anwar, President and CEO of Softway. Hey, Mo. Hey, guys. Chris Petrie, Vice President. Hey, Chris. Hello, you all. And Frank Dana, <laughs> Director at Softway. Hey, y'all. So we always do icebreakers. I thought in the spirit of vulnerability, I thought I'd ask some more vulnerable questions, if you will, to start us off. So sure. let's start with, ooh, Muhammad. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Mo, what failure have you learned the most from in your life? Um, well, I would say the failure to lead this company the right way. Um, a few years ago, I had pretty much taken the company down to the ground and we were about to go bankrupt. And there were like a lot of different elements that were just not right. And I was failing as a leader and I was not being the leader I needed to be for the company at Softway. And that failure of having to let go of people, as in I had to lay off people, almost 100 employees. And that to me was the biggest failure in my career of leading a company. Um, and I had been leading the company at that point in time for almost 13 years. And that one incident, which was a true failure on my part, um, where I couldn't, I could have avoided it, was probably the biggest life-changing failure that I've had to experience. But I, looking back at it, I mean, while the incident at the moment in time wasn't good and the result wasn't good, I think it has taught me the most how to be a leader inside of work and even outside of work. It's changed how I think and how I behave and how I operate. It's had such a big life-changing experience for me in a positive way. Thank you for sharing that. Frank, if you can give one sentence, uh, one sentence advice about how to live life, what would it be? There is no box. So about nine or 10 years ago, I worked with my dad and he had founded a, a little tech startup making mobile apps uh, here in Houston. That's how I got to know Muhammad. I've known him for like 13, 12, 13 years. It's a long time. And 
uh, one day I walked into my dad's office and he would randomly just call me in there because he just wanted to chat or something. And uh, he was a very eclectic individual. And he took a sticky note and wrote, there is no box. And then like shoved the sticky note on my hand. And I was like, what? Why? Why did you? <laughs> what does this mean? And he said, um, Frank, when I look at you, I don't see a box. I don't see anything you can't overcome. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you. And I remember that kind of being like the first time that he had like vocalized that he was proud of me to my face. And I walked back in my office. I, I started to cry because I was like, I, I didn't understand like uh, what it just came out of nowhere, if you can imagine. And I started to understand how valuable that statement was as I got older. And as I started seeing opportunities to, to lead people and to manage people. And I recognized that if there's one sentence that I would tell people how to live their life is there is no box. There is nothing that can hold any of us back. Um, and that's, that's at least what I want to do for humanity is to help people see the opportunities that they have um, with what they've been created to do in their lives. Um, and I know that there's a lot of stuff happening in the world right now, but recognizing that for you, there is no box, uh, I think is something that, that I would say that's, that's how I would want people to, to live their lives. And that's the one statement that I would make. Thanks, Frank. Cool. Chris, what is the most important thing to you in life? I think for me, the most important thing is, I'm going to say the wisdom that I have been given, and and I, I, I'll sort of unpack that, but over my entire life, I have been in the privileged seat to be able to get into places where maybe others wouldn't naturally get into. Like, so just to give you an example, my dad was a pastor um, of a church and being a pastor's son, I was always in earshot of just about every conversation where people were looking for his advice or guidance or whatnot. And I was able to listen to what he would say, right? Fast forward to college, I had the chance to work at the senior vice president's office of the university. Um, and uh, in that office were all of his assistant vice presidents. Um, and you just, in that setting, you are exposed to all of the conversations, the politics, the, the things that happen behind closed doors that, you know, as a student or even as just faculty and general staff, you don't get that kind of exposure or insight into. Um, fast forward to getting into the working world where the chief sales officer takes me under her wing and brings me to meetings where I'm not invited so I can listen in. Um, it's when I look back over my life, those opportunities to learn and glean insight and hear the way other people handle their affairs and their situations and their, you know, lives. Um, it's given me so much, so much opportunity to 
really not just keep it for myself, but to also try and share it to those who were not in those places and spaces and tables, um, but also to to help others overcome the things that I've seen so many people in my past not be able to overcome, right? Um, and so for me, wisdom is something that I cherish. Awesome. Thank you. So why did I ask these questions specifically? We have an episode about vulnerability. So why don't we start before getting into that? What is vulnerability? I will pick on Frank to start us off here. So what we did just now is we, we got emotionally vulnerable with each other when we were willing to share something or expose something about ourselves in a very honest way. And that type of vulnerability requires that you let your guard down, that you take off all the armor that you may have put on, uh, the perspective that you want other people to see you by, and you're you, holy. And when you're that in that vulnerable state, you're susceptible to the judgment and the jeering and the, the gossip or anything else that could come by way of you being exposed from an emotional perspective. And so in that way, you know, we've, we've showcased one facet of vulnerability, but vulnerability doesn't just mean emotional exposure, right? Um, vulnerability is when you are simply willing to be more honest and more open about any situation. Um, and, and it can be inside and outside of work. But I think the example that we were trying to show is that when you're able to be vulnerable, even in this type of context, I, so I learned something new about my colleagues just now. Even though I've, 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 I've lived through Muhammad's uh, story, I still learned a new perspective, a new, a new component of that story. And knowing Chris, I see the output and success of that wisdom coming through in the way he handles himself, the way he communicates, the, the way he lives his life as a leader. And so it's able to give me more um, understanding. It's, it's the great connector. Vulnerability is the great connector. I think a very, <clears throat> I guess, a little more mainstream, popular uh, kind of advocate for vulnerability is uh, Brene Brown. I think a lot of people have heard of her her works. She defines vulnerability as, you know, uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. And I think um, we also use that definition for a lot of things when it comes to our, our work environment. So to kind of break into this topic from a love as a business strategy perspective, what does vulner what place does vulnerability have in the workplace? Sure. Um, I think my my stance on this is that when leaders are truly vulnerable, right? And um, I'll be the first one to tell you that I do not translate vulnerability into tears and you know, <laughs> like just uh, drama. Um, I, I look at vulnerability as, again, when you talk about emotional exposure, exposure, sharing, again, what is really happening on the inside as a leader what you're doubting, what you have questions of, what, what's triggering you even, right? Um, and to do so in a way that allows others to understand perhaps why you might not be the most excited in a moment or why you are extremely excited in a moment, right? And 
when you as a leader are tapping into that vulnerability, it unlocks that inspiration, that motivation, and that, you know, um, that loyalty that you're looking for from employees, because when they see that leader as approachable, fallible, human, you know, someone who's also trying to navigate this thing called life, um, it actually, you know, gives them the ability to sort of just, you know, relax their shoulders a little bit more because perfection is no one's game. Like there's no such thing as being a perfect person, a perfect leader. And that vulnerability allows for people to see that that veneer that some some people have perhaps towards leadership is not true. It's not real. Um, we have all sorts of emotions, just like anybody else. Um, you know, we all have trials and things that are happening in our lives. And, you know, holding it all together isn't possible at every moment of the day. Right. Like, you know, sometimes my life is not together. <laughs> and, you know, while that is a hard thing to articulate to people who are looking to you for answers or direction or guidance or stability, right? Um, to be able to say like, while yes, I want to be there for you and all of those things and give you those things, there are certain times where I just don't know the answer, right? It's my job to go and find the answer, but I'm hoping that we can find it together. But, you know, that takes, you know, not just a vulnerable leader, but also an accepting team. Mm. I wanted to, I'm interested, I wanted to ask Muhammad, what, what is the easiest way for leaders to be vulnerable? Like in your opinion, how would you say for people, mm -hmm. like especially Chris was like no tears, right? Or tear, yeah. limited engagement on the tears side of things. <laughs> what would you say would be the alternative to that if we're say, if we're talking about vulnerability as, as part of love as a business strategy? Sure. Like from a leader standpoint, it's as simple as just taking ownership and apologizing. The most difficult thing that I think leaders face um, in their career is trying to be perfect, trying to be right all the time. And when you're at this position of leadership, there's something about ego and, you know, how you reach that, you know, stage in your career and you must have done something right to get there. I'm sure, I'm sure all leaders do some things that are notable that's what gets them to those positions but if you're unable to recognize that you can be wrong and admit that in front of your coworkers and your team members in an open just acknowledgement way of saying you know what i messed up you're right i apologize it's as simple as that frank nothing more just taking ownership and apologizing is probably the most simplest way of being vulnerable, but yet the one of the most powerful way of being courageous and strong in front of your team. Just by so why, mistake. Yeah. So I was going to say, why, why is that powerful though? Like, why is the ability to admit your mistakes a powerful thing? I think at that very moment in time, when you are able to show to your team that it's okay to be wrong. It's okay that to fail. It's okay to make mistakes. Like Chris mentioned, the relief it has on your team to strive to this perfection is that burden is kind of released. And they're like, oh, my leader is human, just like me. And if my leader is demonstrating it's okay to be wrong at times, then you know what? I'm going to be 
I, I feel more comfortable doing the same, not because I want to fail, but I know that if I fail trying, it's okay. It's okay and it's acceptable because my leader can have the same challenges as I, and that helps me, you know, have more trust and empathy towards the leader, but also it's gonna drive you to try more things, take more risks, and it's okay to try and fail, but not trying anything because of the fear of failure is kind of lifted when a leader does that. When I look at, when I think of vulnerability, you know, we talk a lot, obviously, in our line of work, we talk a lot about the leader's role in vulnerability, which is absolutely key and critical. I also look at vulnerability as this kind of, uh, this this element that permeates the entire organization at times. And you have this, you know, in my mind, it's like this vulnerability level. And I know that's not a real thing. It's not necessarily measurable. But when you walk into, when I walk into a room with one team versus another team, um, when you enter just a room, um, I personally get this sense of like this level of vulnerability. It, it shows up in how we speak to one another, how we joke or how we don't joke or how much space we give each other when it's, a, you know, all these little nuanced things come from the relationship that we have. Even if it's a group of 10 people, what's the what's every one to one relationship in that room look like? And yeah. To me, that's that sums up this culture, like the, the role of vulnerability in a culture, because a leader absolutely is obviously we've said time and time again, a leader builds or breaks culture. And so it starts with a leader. But I'm often reminded of the role that vulnerability plays, not just from a leader, you know, admitting to mistakes and things like that, which is obviously key, but how how much f- emphasis the culture puts in an organization on people caring about people one another at a human at a human level which builds that vulnerable relationship we've talked about high performing teams we've talked about you know all the other topics trust and empathy and these things like this and that layer of vulnerability we always come back to it because without some level of vulnerability again it's a huge scale it's not just like you have it or you don't but without some element of vulnerability um in my experience you miss out on so many real benefits of how people work together, whether it's willingness to speak up when they have an idea, you you may have missed out on a great idea or someone to raise their hand and and say something's wrong when something is wrong. Um, These these require certain, in my mind, just culture that has vulnerability accepted and allowed and embraced to really bring out the potential in people. So I also look at it through that lens as this as this all-encompassing element that everyone needs to share a part of. Yeah, yeah I completely agree. I, I agree. I was gonna say quickly that it's funny, we're working remotely now. And so and we've we've also like done a lot of different things in in our company where we're we're creating these new teams, right? And people that have never worked with each other before. And it's interesting to me that sometimes when you jump into a meeting and everybody has their camera on. And then other meetings you jump into and one person has a camera on. Shout out to Aaron. But <laughs> it's it's interesting though. There's there's like this connection where you can kind of tell when a team is a little bit more comfortable with each other sometimes. And it's not the, the case all the time, right? I'm not saying that everybody has to have their camera on in order to be vulnerable. But it's interesting that there's this, this willingness with these people that are more comfortable with each other um, to be able to be more open. And sometimes in a you know remote capacity, that means 
popping their camera on for a few moments and saying hello. Um, and so it's, it's just interesting, even in this remote dynamic, to see how vulnerability plays into showing up and being willing to be more participatory in conversation and in ideation and all of those components that make up a team. The, the key the key thing that stands out to me is like if you bring if you boil this back down to a one-to-one relationship so not even just lead not even leader or or you know last eight last row I just mean any two people in your organization um, when you think about how they engage in the role that vulnerability plays in that it's just it's just, it's so critical to imagine how those two people would interact when faced with real challenges when faced with problems and inserting vulnerability and what I mean is as simple as knowing each other beyond work. So if, if I've worked with you for, I've, we've met people that have worked together for decades and just know like, you know, very surface level information about the other. And again, you don't automatically gain vulnerability by knowing someone's complete bio. But the idea is that over, if you spend all this time together working, I've seen people work side by side for like over a decade and, and still, um, when asked to share, you know, simple stories, like these are all things they've never heard of each other. And what we've gotten from feedback is that just knowing a story like, oh, I didn't know that you went through that situation. I didn't know that you've had to deal with cancer in your family or any of these things. Like these stories, you know, it may seem, you know, inconsequential to work. But when you talk to these people, they actually see each other differently. We've done this exercise with two people who've worked together for years. And the, the feedback afterwards was that after they actually connected at a personal level, they literally see a different person. It's like I'm working with a new person for the first time in years. And that's powerful because th this new person you're working with isn't someone that you just slide work across the desk to and exchange emails. It's someone you collaborate with. It's someone that you care about you know, how they get their work done and how well they succeed over just yourself. And that's built over this understand this mutual acceptance of vulnerability between the two of them. And I think that is so, so important and just such a missing factor in any team for, or any two people all the way up to an entire organization. That's just an element that I, I can't stress enough personally. Yep. And the question that I usually ask when we talk about vulnerability is I like to go back into like really popular case studies in the business world and ask, I wonder if those leaders, had they been vulnerable, would their company still be around? The case that I usually go back to is Blockbuster. And when you think about Blockbuster, it was like such a phenomenal brand when it was in its heyday. But a lot of people don't know that they actually had built a streaming platform before Netflix was even thought of. They saw that as a threat to their business, and so they shelved it. And imagine if a leader inside a blockbuster and it's, you know, last days or when they realized that their numbers were not returning or bouncing back, if they would have got up and told the company, we don't know what to do. We are in trouble and we need everyone's help. I can't imagine that whoever had that streaming platform sitting there would not have said, actually, I might have something that we can test and see if this is something that's viable or not. Right. Like what if someone had been open enough to ask a full team or a full organization to help save the business and been vulnerable enough to say, I don't know how to do it myself. I love that. Yeah. That type of transparency is incredibly rare. Um, and it's something that leaders are so fearful of because they're afraid of a, of a revolt. Um, but in, in reality, like I can remember 
Muhammad, it, I remember when I think it was either 2016 or 2017. I can't remember what year it was. Um, but you basically got the whole mm-hmm. team together, the whole company together. Is when we're you, like you talked about earlier, we we're at rock bottom. And every single person in our on our U.S. team, we we're in the same room, and you showed the financials to everybody on the screen. Yeah, that was there was lots of red, too much red, Muhammad. Yes, and and yes, Jeff was panicking. I had um, a I had a brown paper bag I was breathing into. For real? <laughs> no, I don't know if that's true, but the costs were black though. <laughs> the costs yeah. were in the black. <laughs> costs were in the black. Um, the problem was this. I was sitting there sweating bullets because I was going, everybody's going to quit. Like we're, we're the, the entire company is going to look at this and say, that is not going to work. Right. And so I was, right. I was so scared because I seriously was like, why are you being so, tra- why are you telling every single person how bad we're doing? But you know what it did? It got everybody on our team to step up and to say, yeah, but- you know what I'm but saying? I, like, but I think the key was it, the, the the key was I did not share it with the intent of causing fear. No, exactly. Or, or scaring people. It was a plea for help. Exactly. Essentially. When yes. I when yeah. I shared those financials, I was like, guys, we're in trouble. I I I'm trying my best here, but I need your help. And that was the angle, right? Of like I, I didn't present it to scare anybody or stir fear, but what we did, we saw the results was, I mean, looking back at it, everybody stepped up and said, you know what, we're gonna help save this company. We're gonna work together. We're gonna do what it what we need to do to make sure that we can come out of the situation. And that was the power that we saw of our team coming together and trusting me and you know being by my side to help us get through this. And it increased the trust level. It really unlocked trust that I had never seen among and between the team. And that situation where I was vulnerable enough to say, yeah, I'm the CEO. I've been running this company for 13 years, but guess what? I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And you know, any other CEO or person who's in that role would probably be like, that's a death penalty. Why would you do that? That's like, you're, you're, you're showing your weakness. What are you doing? But in that moment in time, I that was the only thing I can think of is like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I need help. I don't think we would be here today if you had not done that. Yeah, I agree. It could have been like, like Blockbuster. It could have been like Blockbuster, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we're trying to be like Netflix. Yeah, so exactly. in, well, in my, maybe. In, no. maybe. I, don't know uh, like in, I don't know them like that. I'm just saying. <laughs> the point for me though, is that Muhammad, when you reached across the table essentially and said and were as vulnerable as you could have been right i don't even know how you were feeling in that moment but it was an opportunity for people to step up it was you gave us the ability to say we want to be part of the solution right you didn't just decide that we shouldn't be included in the discussion in the conversation and that's what vulnerability is to me it's when you're inviting people in to what you're going through I think right. it's worth but noting. I, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead, Mohammed. I was just going to say, in the moment in time, I won't lie, I was scared. And I think I was extremely fearful. And, I, and you know, I was, I think up until that point, moment in time, I was trying to demonstrate this strength of like, I know what I'm doing. We're going to survive. We're going to be fine. Nothing's wrong, right? 
when you really think about it, I was trying to cover up for my fears and my insecurity and what I didn't know what I was doing. I was trying to like put this personify this strong leader's mindset. And I thought that, you know, if I was going to say to the team that, hey, we're in trouble, I don't know what I'm doing. I actually thought that was a sign of weakness. But I had reached a stage where I couldn't do anything else but to share. But reflecting on it, what it really demonstrated and what I learned from that was I was able to overcome my fear and be able to share that openly. And that that took a lot of courage when you it really was think about it. Yeah, yeah that was it, that it, was strength. More yeah. so than more so than creating this this fake persona of of strength, right? It was yes. when you were actually able to be open, people saw that as a sign of strength and courage. Exactly. I wanted to point out though that like, you know, having experienced that and practiced similar like, you know, like practicing vulnerability at work. Um it it's worth noting that the unique thing about vulnerability is that it it can't it doesn't work as a tactic. Like when when Muhammad came through with that vulnerability, it wasn't like he goes, "Okay, I'm going to expose all these numbers and I'm going to make people you know riled up to help." Like that wasn't ever a tactic. As he planned to share that, I remember talking to him beforehand and he's like, "I I just I just want to share. I just want to get this off my chest, and I just want to, I want to be able to be myself. And it was this, it vulnerability is this interesting thing where it only works if you you are truly being vulnerable. Like it only works if you're trying. Like it, people can see through this. It's not. It's, you can't just be like, I'm going to practice vulnerability and just be like, you know, pouring all these stories out and trying to get people to like, you know, like see you as more vulnerable. It's like this interesting thing because as a leader and as we, you know, we teach this stuff. Like we go trying to help lead. We go around trying to help leaders connect with their own vulnerability and. It's, it's this thing that some leaders perceive as like, you know, f it, fake it till you make it. And, and it's like, it's not, it's definitely not one of those things. It's like, you don't even need to have a good BS meter to look through when, when vulnerability, it's, it's how Muhammad ultimately delivered it in, in a real way that connected to people. I did not leave that yeah. room. I, I left that room very hopeful. And, and inspired, but I didn't leave it because he shared the numbers or he said, because the literal fact, he said, I don't know what I'm doing. He, I left it because he put his heart out there. You saw it as he stood in the front of the room. You saw that he was still trying to be strong for us mm -hmm. and still, but, but the way he put it was all about helping us. It was about wanting us to, to be able to bounce back and thrive. And he was, you could see that when he said, I, I want us to succeed for you, not for revenue, not for numbers. I want us to maintain together. I don't want to lose jobs. I don't want to lose people. Like you, you felt that, you know, delivery, it couldn't have been faked. It couldn't have been fabricated. It was truly himself being put up there. And when yeah. you get, when you get a CEO or anybody, honestly, in that state, we as humans connect at this level that transcends common just you know communication we connect like hearts connect i know that sounds cheesy but it, it, it's it's a very very powerful thing and i know that that circumstance was extreme and that mm -hmm. that was a dire situation but i mean talk about uncertainty right talk about risk and emotional exposure like those things culminate in a moment like that and i think it's important for people to understand that 
vulnerability is not like practicing vulnerability isn't just going through any emotions. It's actually looking within yourself at what you want to be, who you want to be, how you want to treat others and like what your intents really are, connecting with those and sharing them outward. I, I think that's such a key takeaway personally, because you remember when Muhammad was trying to, when we were trying to grow vulnerability in our own organization, not every leader was on board. And you could see that that difference between those, it's immediately noticeable, those who are like practicing vulnerability because that's what's required of leadership in our company now versus people who don't make a big show about it and go about trying to really build connections and trying to apologize and be own up to their to their, their to their things in an earnest way. So I know I've rambled on all about that, but I think it's just so key. I love that story about Muhammad, yeah. but my yeah. experience from it, I still get emotional thinking about it because of how powerful it was in that moment to be in that space. Yeah, it was a that, it was a transformative moment. Yeah, yeah. and I think that from a a, a new beginning perspective. If you're a leader who've, who's not embraced vulnerability or you really want to see more vulnerability in your company, I think it's also really important to know the opposite side of vulnerability, right? Like when vulnerability is used to take advantage of people, right? Yeah. Because, exactly. you know, if Muhammad were not Muhammad and Muhammad were some cruel, evil genius, right? Like he could have done the same thing um, to get people to do what he wanted them to do by using those vulnerable tactics, mm -hmm. right? And you know, what I'm essentially describing is floodlighting, right? Which is also coined by Brene Brown, but it's the idea of when you use vulnerability for manipulation, right? You're using it to get people to either feel sympathy um, to a place where they no longer hold you accountable or they are not necessarily um, putting pressure on you to do something that you probably should be doing in the first place, right? Like, and I, I want listeners and, you know, viewers to just really understand that this is a very powerful thing. Like vulnerability can be very powerful, but just like with any tool, it can be used for good or for evil. Um, and, you know, this is where it's really important to understand how do you make sure that you're not being manipulative? And, you know, going back to the, you know, love as a platinum strategy, manipulation is where it's a win-lose. Someone's going to win and someone's going to lose. Um, and that's when you know when when you're using vulnerability in the wrong way, someone is going to lose at the end of it. And you know that as the person using that tool and you know that you're going to win because of it. So I know we're running low on time and there's so much to, you know, continue on here, but uh, we usually close with the connection between love and this topic. I think that's clear. I want to close with what is the practical application? I guess if people are listening where do they go next with this? If you understand the value of vulnerability in the workplace, what can a, a leader or anybody go off and, and, and take a first step at? Ask how someone's weekend was on a Monday. Just what did you do over the week? I mean, it's, it's as simple as starting a conversation, right? With someone else. That's the intent is just to begin a conversation where you can learn more about another person walking away from that knowing something more than what you did previously that's that's my little piece of of what i think leaders can do or anybody can do to build better relationships inside of an organization or just it's it sounds very simple but you'd be yeah. surprised at how many people walk in on monday and there's no discussion there's no upfront conversation it's just let's get back to work there are moments that we all have where we can just add a little bit more humanity into it. And that's a good time to do it. Yeah. 
like for me, because I'm that anti-crier, right? Like, let's not bring tears into this. I think that some of the easiest ways is to actually introduce levity, right? Like, like you can do a lot when you open up about yourself or have a story that is humorous or warms the room up or lets people sort of see you in a different light, whether that be sharing a mistake from your childhood or an embarrassing moment, whatever the case may be, right? Those, those little things that just, you know, make you feel and appear and, you know, sort of translate into a more human, approachable, flawed individual. I think it's really simple and it doesn't take, you know, you to muster up tears. <laughs> Mohammed, any um, last kind of quick first steps for people or any advice? No, I would just say first step is just learn to apologize. Yeah. I think that's the most powerful way to start practicing vulnerability, but it's not easy. It requires a lot of courage to be able to push your ego down and be able to take ownership. And I know it's easier said than done, but that's the simplest way. I, I would leave it that. Just learn to apologize. And for those academic wrong. minds out there, Brene Brown, we're huge fans. So she has a lot of great resources to go listen. Very, very, she dives very, very deep and thoroughly. She spent her life studying this. So it's wonderful stuff. Um, so that'll do it for vulnerability. I want to thank you all, uh, Mohammed, Frank, and Chris, for being so vulnerable today. And uh, that, that, that was a great conversation I thought we had there. Uh, here at the podcast, we're going to be posting new episodes every Tuesday. And so we'd love to hear from you. What would you like to hear next Tuesday? What would the next topic that interests you or would help you out be? Let us know at softway.com slash labs, L-A-A-B-S. And if you like what you heard, please leave us a review. Subscribe on Apple and Spotify. That would mean a lot. And with that, I will see you guys next Tuesday. Peace.